0: This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the Global University, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, remembering one of Latin America's greatest writers, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. But first, Sierra Hancock has our weekly review of news from around Latin America.
1: Cuba and the United States held their highest-level talks in almost 60 years this past week as the presidents of both countries met at the Summit of the Americas in Panama. It was the first time a Cuban president had sat down with a U.S. president since 1956. U.S. President Barack Obama and Cuban President Raul Castro agreed their countries are on track to normalize diplomatic relations. During various events at the summit, Obama was careful to distinguish the policies of his administration from criticism the U.S. has acted with imperialist intentions in Latin America in the past. We
2: are respectful of the differences among our countries. The days in which our agenda in this hemisphere so often presumed that the United States could meddle with
1: impunity,
3: those days are past.
1: Cuban dissidents did clash violently in the streets several times in the days leading up to the summit with pro-Castro demonstrators. Some Cuban dissidents accused the Panamanian government of working with the Cuban regime to harass those who are critical of Cuba's poor record on human rights. The presidents of Venezuela, Argentina, and Bolivia delivered speeches highly critical of the U.S. during the summit. However, President Obama chose to skip those speeches and was not present to hear their complaints. After the summit, the White House announced Obama's intentions to remove Cuba from the State Department's list of states that sponsor terrorism. protesters poured into the streets around Brazil calling for the resignation or impeachment of President Dilma Rousseff. The protesters want accountability for a growing scandal tied to the state-owned oil company Petrobras. Prosecutors say the oil firm was involved in $800 million worth of bribes and other corrupt practices during the past 18 years. Rousseff was once the chair of the board of directors of Petrobras, and prosecutors have implicated various other members of her party, the Workers' Party, in the scandal. The treasurer of the Workers' Party resigned this week after his arrest in the corruption scandal. Polls in Brazil show 62 percent of the public disapproves of Rousseff's performance as president, the worst polling by a Brazilian president in more than 20 years. Rousseff began her new term in office just four months ago after winning re-election last fall. Famous writer and journalist Eduardo Gallieno died in Uruguay this week. Galliano's most famous works combine history and political analysis. He was the author of The Open Veins of Latin America and a series of books called The Memory of Fire. Galliano's work stirred controversy. Famously, Hugo Chavez gave Barack Obama a copy of The Open Veins of Latin America when they first met. Although last year, Galliano disavowed much of his political findings in that book. He died in his home city of Montevideo due to complications from lung cancer. He was 74 years old. (laughs) British defense officials have revealed special forces units have increased their training exercises on the Falkland Islands during the past four months. This revelation comes during rising tensions between the United Kingdom and Argentina over the islands. Argentina has claimed the islands since the 19th century and calls the islands Las Malvinas. One country Canadian pop singer Justin Bieber will be avoiding in the near future is Argentina. A judge in Argentina issued an arrest warrant for the singer this week. Officials in Argentina accused Bieber of ordering his bodyguards to beat up a photographer outside a club in Buenos Aires two years ago. An Argentine judge says Bieber and his representatives have refused to respond to a legal summons to answer questions about the case. If Argentine officials ever manage to get their hands on the pop singer, he could face as much as six years in jail if found guilty of the charges. This follows a series of incidents in various countries, including vandalism charges in Brazil for spray painting a wall of an upscale hotel there. For Latin Pulse, I'm Sierra Hancock.
0: Thanks Sierra. This week marks the year since the death of Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature. He hailed from Colombia. Indeed, Colombia's president, Juan Manuel Santos, called him the greatest Colombian who has ever lived. But Garcia Marquez came to transcend his origins along Colombia's Caribbean coast. He was the type of bold, brash, bigger-than-life writer who characterized the 20th century. He became friends with dictator Fidel Castro in Cuba, and he came to represent a pan-Latin American image of a modern writer. When he died last year, he died in Mexico City, a city and a country that became his home too. We spoke to Gustavo Aranjo at the State University of New York at Anta about García Márquez. Aranjo is the author of Un Ramo de No Me Olvides, García Márquez in El Universal, a book about the writer's days as a journalist.
2: The the experience Garcia Marquez had in El Universal uh, wouldn't be explained completely if we don't consider his master in that newspaper. Clemente Manuel Zavala, who was a very well-read journalist, he was the person that invited Garcia Marquez to write uh, op-ed articles when Garcia Marquez only was... Uh, 21 to, uh, years old and Clemente Manuel Zavala was uh, influential influential by not only by uh, suggesting readings but but also by pointing what uh, elements of reality were worth noticing and worth reporting so what Garcia Marquez gets from journalism is uh, the education of the senses the um, way of perceiving reality and noticing that you don't need to come up with uh, extravagant ideas or imaginary things, that reality is um, amazing enough and you just need to have the, the observation and the ability to portrait that reality.
0: Garcia Marquez is known for popularizing an approach to fiction known as magical realism.
2: He always insisted that his books all the situations, all the scenes he mentions in his books uh, have a relation to life, a, rea- a relation with reality.
0: Many examples of this approach can be found in the writer's second novel, his breakthrough, One Hundred Years of Solitude. For example, this passage, where the men of a town gather to spy on Remedios the
3: beauty while she bathes, but one of the men makes an unfortunate misstep. The rotten tiles broke with the noise of disaster, and the man barely had time to let out a cry of terror as he cracked his skull and was killed outright on the cement floor. The foreigners, who heard the noise in the dining room and hastened over to remove the body, noticed the suffocating odor of Remedios de Beauty on his skin. It was so deep in his body that the cracks in his skull did not give off blood, but an amber-colored oil that was impregnated with that secret perfume and then they understood that the smell of Remedios the Beauty kept them torturing men beyond death right down to the dust of their bones from 100 years of solitude in his book 100 years of
0: solitude we get introduced to Macondo, which is both a place and I think also a A concept.
2: Well, yes, Uh, there is like a mixture of the real experience Garcia Marquez had in the Caribbean. He was born in Aracataca. Uh, He then uh, moved uh, to Barranquilla, then to Bogota. In Bogota, culturally, is very different from the Caribbean. And after he returned from Bogota to the Caribbean, he had kind of a an epiphany, he rediscovered the culture and and the richness of the Caribbean, the Colombian Caribbean. And I think when he returned from Bogota is uh, uh, the time when he realized how valuable the popular culture of the Caribbean was for him and for the the works he wanted to do at the time. And he also read uh, some authors that created uh, imaginary towns like uh, William Faulkner of course who was one of uh, his big uh, masters <clears throat> and also Juan Rulfo from Mexico who created the uh, medical town of, Ma- uh, of uh, Comala so there is there are some precedents that influence the idea of creating an imaginary town the war Macondo is also very interesting uh, some of the biographers have I have pointed to the fact that Macondo was the name of uh, a big ranch uh, near Aracataca. But during my research I also found that Macondo in the 1940s was the name of a gambling uh, activity. Uh, In one of the uh, news that Garcia Marquez wrote for El Universal, he mentioned that uh, people used to play not only uh, with uh, cards, but also they used to play Macondo. So if we add to the name of Macondo the idea of uh, gambling, of uh, chance games, uh, we have even a deeper uh, idea of what is behind that name that has become a legend. Um, This April, the International Book Fair in Bogota, for example, is devoted to talk about Macondo. Uh, years before they invited different countries, the last year I think it was Peru, the year before uh, Mexico, but they decided that this year they are going to uh, talk and discuss the value of Macondo. It's like Macondo becoming a country. So it's a word that with a lot of meaning, it, it has become a, a symbol of Latin America. Uh, I think uh, 100 years of solitude wouldn't have been so successful if García Márquez had placed his uh, narrative in a real place, in a real town.
0: And so Macondo is, is a real country when we talk about literature.
2: Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a universe.
3: The girl raised her eyes to see who was passing by the window. And that casual glance was the beginning of a cataclysm of love that still had not ended half a century later, from Love in the Time of Cholera.
0: Part of that universe is is the idea of magical realism, and even though Garcia Marquez did not create magical realism, he popularized it and, and put it as a centerpiece in literature like no one had before. I'm wondering, that has also put a lot of pressure on those who have followed behind him to either work in the same area or make great pains to say that they are different than Garcia Marquez when we talk about Latin American literature.
2: Yes, in Colombia, uh, that's a topic that has been discussed for several decades. The shadow of Garcia Marquez is very difficult to, to overcome for a a person that wants to be a writer in Colombia and Latin America but uh, he he's the kind of writers that create a style a very singular view of the world and that usually doesn't work with uh, imitators with persons that wants to do the same uh, in li- literature i think the the ideal uh, for a writer is to try to find his or her own voice, his or her own tradition and experience uh, because trying to imitate Garcia Marquez has been a failure for many writers in Colombia. Uh, It's impossible to imitate. I think uh, it's a very um, high standard and it's uh, very difficult to to, to come up with something similar to what Garcia Marquez
0: did. Our special remembrance of Gabriel Garcia Marquez will continue in a moment. Please stay with us.
2: This is Tom Scared for the Borgen Project. Each year, nearly two million children die from preventable diseases. Each day, 30,000 people die from hunger. 500 each hour are children. The Borgen Project is turning this around. We need your help. To learn more, go to borgenproject.org. That's B-O-R-G-E-N project.org.
0: Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Now, Nuria Villanova at American University in Washington, D.C. joins us via Skype on our Gabriel Garcia Marquez special. Villanova is the author of Border Texts, writing fiction from Northern Mexico, and she teaches Latin American literature.
4: I think this question comes in a very, you know, timely manner because um, I've been and I don't think I am the only one, I think most of us have been missing him a lot when we not only miss him as the writer that he was, because we have we are very fortunate to have all his, you know, writings with us. So what he's He's gone, is the man, and he's, um, you know, when all his um, uh, speeches, discourses, and the things that he would do, um, you know, uh, in present times. But uh, what we have is all his heritage, and this is huge. But uh, I think most of us would feel that we've been missing him because things have happened during this year since he died. He, he died just right a year ago now, on the 17th. And I've been thinking a lot about him, for instance, now with uh, President Obama making this kind of step forward to Cuba. And I was thinking, what would he think about this? How would he have reacted? What would he have said and what he would have Written about this, and this is something that I think he was such a prominent intellectual and a politician or political figure, I would say, in the sense that he would always have a very strong and clear and determined, you know, stance towards what he thought and what he believed. That he's been missed in this sense as well for many of us, I would say. And Garcia Marquez had a special connection to Cuba, very much so. And he always supported Cuba. Some of the intellectuals who would be on the left were more, you know, since late like 60s, 70s, I would say towards more like the end of the century and the beginning of this one. They wouldn't be so supportive. They would maybe say not very much about it and just be silent. But um, then you have the other extreme. You have somebody like Vargas Llosa who did support of course, the Cuban Revolution. As most people would do at that moment in Latin America, if you were somebody who had, you know, progressive—I wouldn't even say only the left, you know—who had progressive and uh, stances towards what was society and uh, you know the politics of the island and uh, and the economics basically as well. But um, and then you have people like Martínez who would support it at that moment, and then he would depart completely. And then he would be very um, you know speaking um out about it against of course Castro Fidel Castro and and Cuba altogether, but Garcia Marquez was the other the opposite to this because he would still even in the very last years he would still be supporting you know a regime that was very difficult to support, even if you once had believed in that revolution and but, this was the
0: real conflict wasn't it that yes. usually. Garcia Marquez was was someone who was against dictatorships and was against oppression yeah. but he had a special relationship with Fidel Castro
4: because I think what happened is that to him as to many other intellectuals in Latin America they wouldn't they would always see dictatorships as the dictatorships coming from the right wing dictatorship from the right-wing military you know of course uh, Pinochet like an epitome of this and uh, and the, you know, Videla and the Argentinian Junta in the late 70s and 80s as well. And they could never see Castro through those lenses. You know, it would always be that guy who was the, you know, the head of this amazing July 26 movement that managed to, to make history at that moment at the end of the 50s. And then when things got, became more difficult and when he became more authoritarian because it was a whole process it wasn't so you know it wasn't from one day to the other one and of course the United States played uh It's a very controversial aspect of it because some people believe that the United States played a very important role in pushing, you know, Castro towards a much more, um, you know, radical, I would say, um, stance towards communism and then getting allied with the Soviet Union. And maybe if it hadn't been that conflict with the United States, maybe he would not have been so radicalized. But this is open to the, you know, the the people who do politics might know better how to solve this. But what is true is that for most people in Latin America, even in Europe, Castro has never been as criminalized or demonized as he has been here, whereas people like Pinochet has been. You see, Castro has never been seen in the same way. He has been forgiven for what he must have done. You know, it's okay. It's, it was the price. It was the cost of that revolution that brought about many good things. That's a bit of a and also, I have to say that as Garcia Marquez, he was so much involved in um, different aspects of um, the Cuban intellectual and cultural life, like this, the wonderful Institute of Cinema that they have in ICAIC This is the Icaic is a very important is a institute of the well, it's the Cuban Institute of Cinema, and uh, I would say is amongst the very top ones in Latin America. Most filmmakers would have studied there, or would have taught there, even today. And it's actually also kind of island of um, freedom somehow of expression, because you see that Cuban films, not only now, even through the 90s, and I would say even before that, they didn't have as much censorship, censorship as other expressions, cultural or artistic expressions. Cinema was kind of preserved and uh, García Márquez played an important role in that, uh, you know. So the school funny. is named
0: after him, is it not? And did he not
4: support the school too? Yeah, he did, and he he was heavily involved and to the very last minute. So it's it's it goes beyond, I would say, it goes beyond politics. It's far more like a kind of fraternal, kind of brotherhood thing between himself as many other intellectuals in Latin America and. And Cuba, really. Since we've been talking about intellectuals in -hmm. in Latin America, uh,
0: ironically, we have the death this week of uh, the Uruguayan writer Galeano.
4: I know. know. But I've been thinking about it so much because the two of them had so many things in common, really, those two people. And even, you know, the open veins of Latin America by Galeano, the time of that publication, which is very early in the 70s, it's a time of most of the work of García Márquez that is highly political and with that through metaphors and through the, this magical realism that has so much categorized his writing. He wrote about, you know, colonialism, post-colonialism, the, the cost of exploitation, oppression, and that's exactly what The Open paint is as well about.
3: You can't eat hope, the woman said. You can't eat it. But it sustained you," the colonel replied. From, no one writes to the colonel.
0: Everyone agrees that a hundred years of solitude is is the breakthrough book and is the book that that sets the tone for what comes later. But I've 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 seen some things more recently that talk about his maturing and evolving as a writer, and that maybe some of his later works are actually stronger in the sense of of how he is. Um, how he represents truth and emotion in in his work. And I wonder what you think about that opinion.
4: I don't think you ever represent truth. You represent your truth. That might be the truth of other people that, you know, believe in similar things. But you don't, truth doesn't exist as a, you know, as a one soul only Concept of things. So, what happens that he's like? I think what happens that his more recent um, work um, is more like testimonial. Is more like his memoirs. Now, Gustavo Aranjo of the State University
0: of New York at Oneonta rejoins our conversation. Uh,
2: the Caribbean uh, uh, in Colombia and in general the the Great Caribbean that includes not only the continent but also the island is a a space of a lot of uh, encounters of different cultures. Uh, It is very rich in tradition and legends and in oral traditions basically. And what you need to do and what Garcia Marquez learned when he was beginning as a journalist was that you just need to have the ability to portrait the the reality. Uh, It's not much about imagination, it's more about perception and ability to express that reality.
3: The problem with marriage is that it ends every night after making love. And it must be rebuilt every morning before breakfast from love in the time of cholera. So 100 Years
0: of Solitude still your favorite in, in his body of work? I think
4: so. I think so. I think it is. I think it is, yeah. You know, th- when you read, each act of reading is different from another one. So if you read it like me when I was a teenager, you know, and uh, the impact that had on me, that it was such an amazing world. I was reading that from uh, a town, industrial town next to Barcelona in Spain, in the 70s, you know, still in those days, and the dictatorship as well. So that impact doesn't go away. So if I read it now, I've read, I've read it like a couple of times in between now and then, but always that, that first reading stays somehow, if it's very powerful.
0: These days, most people want to talk about 100 Years of Solitude, the book that was really his breakthrough, but I wonder what others of his works you would point to as something that people need to pay attention to? Well, uh,
2: my, my, favor- my favorite book by Garcia Marquez is um, The Autumn of the Patriarch. Uh, I think at, at that point, Garcia Marquez reached uh, a very high point in the history of literature, not only in, in Latin America, but worldwide. It wasn't and it isn't a, a popular book because the structure is not an, an easy one. We have here um, a book that is uh, 240 pages, but only eight uh, paragraphs. The punctuation is is, is very innovative and, and and comes from the tradition of the modern l- literature, like James Joyce, probably um, Virginia Woolf, who was another writer that he, uh, Garcia Marquez admired and read a lot when he was a young. Uh, apprentice.
4: But what you can see now is that he has become so canonical and he was already canonical before he died, of course, for many years, but now he's part of this body of writers that are almost, you know, kind of myths almost, and their work is uh, unquestionable and unquestioned, and then you see him being mentioned by people that maybe haven't even read him, but like Faulkner would be, or like, you know, Jane Joyce, and he's become one of those now, and he's, for us, I mean, we, in the Spanish-speaking world, of course, we had Cervantes, and we had poets like García Lorca that would be part of that, but now it's like having somebody who was alive just one year ago becoming part of that very exclusive club, you know.
0: I hear him often now compared to Joyce and to Faulkner.
4: Exactly. Exactly, and that's the two that came to my mind because that's what I hear all the time as well. And it's because the three of them really meant a a breakthrough. I mean, they three are inaugurators of different traditions that they kind of dialogue one with another.
2: I think Garcia Marquez is um, a role model for future generations at many levels. He's not only a writer, he's a journalist, publicist, a filmmaker. Thanks for joining us on this special edition of Latin
0: Pulse. We want to thank our guests, Nuria Villanova of American University, the author of Border Texts, Writing Fiction from Northern Mexico, and Gustavo Aranjo of the State University of New York at Oneonta, the author of Un Ramo de Nome Olvides, Garcia Marquez, In El Universal, that translates loosely as A Bouquet of Forget-Me-Nots, Garcia Marquez and his time at Colombian newspaper, El universal. Both of our guests joined us via Skype. If you'd like to send us your suggestions or comments, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at LatinPulse at gmx.com. That's Latin pulse, all one word at gmx.com. If you're looking for earlier editions of Latin pulse, we're available in various locations on the web, including iTunes, Facebook, and we're also now available via the podcasting service called Stitcher. You can also find us in the Brazilian online game, Minimundos. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org slash Latin Pulse. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse for our entire team, production assistant Sierra Hancock, producer Jim Singer, and our guest announcer, Guillermo Rodriguez of Webster University. I'm Rick Rockwell. Escúchanos nosotros. vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced at the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with music copyright support through Webster University and Link TV. This program
2: is copyright 2015 Las Rocas Productions.